You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We are going to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, we're going to stand up for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. Because the future of labor's rights in the United States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio. And it sure is not going to be decided on Fox News. This is the Valley Labor Report. It is Saturday, May 9th, 2020, and my name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator, David Story. We're broadcasting live online and on the radio in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens, listening area from Athens, Alabama. Today, we'll be talking to the President and Directing General Chair of the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, District 141, Brother Michael Clem. He represents 28,000 airline employees, and he'll be telling us about how United Airlines tried to pocket the money from the CARES Act while drastically cutting worker hours and ending benefits, and how the union stopped them. Ahmad Arbery's murderers have been arrested in Georgia after months of them roaming free because of a refusal by the justice system to act, illustrating why hashtag Black Lives Matter is so important and still relevant today. The Industrial Workers of the World's Freelance Journalist Union secured $150,000 in overdue invoices for contributors, showing that solidarity and collective action works, even when the employment structure may not be traditional. And in Alabama, Governor Meemaw motions towards a reopening of the economy amidst rising coronavirus cases. More coronavirus cases have been reported in the last seven days than since the crisis began. As she looks to send Alabamians back to work, she issued an executive order granting immunity from liability for companies should their employees get the coronavirus and suffer or die. Additionally, workers who refuse to return to work for fear of transmission, even if they have the comorbidities that really make COVID-19 a threat, will be classified as a voluntary quit and ineligible for unemployment. A wish list was leaked out of the state legislature showing us what our representatives' priorities are for the CARES Act funds that the state received from the federal government. They want more than 10% of the funds, $200 million, to go towards a new state house. They want $10 million on a, new pres- on a new prison, even though our incarceration rate is more than 35% higher than the national average, which is itself a higher incarceration rate than any other country in the world. We imprison more humans than the, than the authoritarian government in China or any other dictatorship, and instead of re- working to reduce that during this crisis, our representatives want to expand it. All this and more on today's Valley Labor Report. So, David, this is our first time in the studio. I'm happy to be here with you. And uh, we're just going to go right into some of the things that I was talking about. Like I said, uh, Governor Ivey went into, uh, she, she released some new guidance on reopening. Uh, restaurants, bars, gyms, and barbershops are going to be allowed to reopen on Monday with some social distancing restrictions. Um, they have to work, uh, operate at 50% capacity, uh, but they do have to have uh, uh, 
uh, make sure that they, they can maintain the six foot distance between customers and between the uh, between the employees. Uh, non work related gatherings are no longer uh, they no longer have a limit of 10 people so long as they can maintain a six foot social distance. Uh, so many churches will likely be reopening next weekend and state beaches will be opening without that number limit as well. Uh, so long as they can maintain the social distancing guidelines. Uh, one of the more infuriating parts about the, the, the new guidance that's been released is that should workers refuse to return to work, even workers with the comorbidities that would make them more likely to be at serious risk from the coronavirus, they will be classified as a voluntary quit. They'll be ineligible for unemployment benefits, and employers are encouraged to report employees that don't return to work. The guidance from the Alabama Department of Labor says – uh, says that explicitly. Employers, quote, employers are encouraged to utilize the new hire system to report those employees who fail to return to work. I mean, this is, the, you know, th th this is just, this is just another one of the things that, uh, that our politicians and the business elites are trying, uh, the, 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 it just illustrates that they don't, they don't care about workers. If you've got a 70 year old person who relies on social security and she's got a part-time job at McDonald's to try to make ends meet, right? When they reopen and they ha hire their staff back on, she's going to be made to return to work. And if she doesn't come back, she, well, you know, you're out of luck. I'm sorry that we're not going to help you. You've got to go to work or you're not going to be able to live. No matter what her comorbidities are, if she's 75 years old, she's got asthma, COPD, cancer, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You got to go back to work. We're not paying for you anymore. It's uh, it's a shame, especially with this uh, new liability law that they've got. Uh, Senator Orr specifically in our area has got coming down the pipe wanting to push this. It's corporatism at its finest. Uh, you know, it's the simple fact of businesses using state authority to pass laws uh, to help them out. And, uh, you know, I, re I recognize that there's a lot of small business owners, a lot of business owners in general that are hurting right now. They're, uh, you know, they're, they want to open, but the, the fact of the matter is in a free market that, you know, there's risk reward to everything. And what, what, what they're trying to do is use a, use state authority to override that risk and provide them with all the reward. And that's not how the free market works. You know, and we've got all these free market conservatives that's championing let's, let's get this law passed. But the fact of the matter is you're, you're circumventing free market. There, there, there's rules to the to how the way business is supposed to conduct itself, and they want to change the rules in the middle of the game. Yep, and and that uh, that law that you were talking about, um, Governor Ivey released an executive order that kind of that kind of mimics that. Uh, the, the, the executive order also attempts to make it harder for workers who contract COVID-19 at work to hold their company liable. So I've got that uh, executive order right here, and it talks about a business, healthcare provider, or other covered entity, entity shall not be liable for the death or injury to persons or for damage to property. Um, and then there are some, it, it, it makes it clear that 
there are some instances where they can be held liable, but the, the purpose of that executive order and the purpose of the law that's snaking its way through our state legislature right now is to make it more difficult for employees to hold their employers liable for, for um, harm that comes to them because of, because of the fact that they, they were forced to come into work. It, it, it's, you know, and when was the last time that our state government did so, tried to do something for workers. This whole the the, the whole thing that they they've been uh, doing I, I, at the state level, uh, Governor Ivey, the state legislators, uh, it's been catered to the business community, catered to the Chamber of Commerce, catered to their donors to make sure that they're going to be donate going to be able to donate to their 2020 or 28 uh, 2022 campaign. Yeah, you know that they just don't they just don't care now the the executive order has been the executive order has been released the law hasn't been passed but she did issue that executive order there's some dispute as to whether that order would hold up state state representative chris england and chair of the alabama democratic party uh seems to think that it won't he said in a tweet that if you get sued for something related to the coronavirus i wouldn't take a copy of this executive order into court with you unless you need some paper to take notes on but still, whatever the legality, the message here, uh, much like the message being sent by uh, 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 by being sent by saying that at-risk workers who refuse to return to work cannot receive unemployment benefits, the message is clear: profits for their chamber of commerce donors are more important than the safety and well-being of Alabama workers. Yeah, yeah, and and here's and let's clarify a point real quick too. I get that you don't want liability for customers coming in. Customers, if they come into your business, you're open, they come in, they accept that risk. They're voluntarily coming in. They decide whether they want to come into your business or not. If they get sick from somebody that's in there, they've accepted that liability. And I and I get that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. But but the worker has no choice. They are right. they they don't have a choice of accepting risk or not. They're either forced back to work or they go find a job somewhere else where they're forced back to work. Right. But there, there's there's definitely nothing in there to help them out if they decide, uh, especially in the case of Walmart or places like this that employ uh, these aged workers uh, that, that may be doing, uh, you know, the greeting and things like that. They, we don't have anything. We've done away with pensions. We've, we're systematically dismantling any social uh, network and any social programs that's going to help retirees. So they're, they're all already being forced to work at 70, 80 years old. And now we're telling them risk your life for a dollar. And it's, it's, it's sickening. Right. And, and you know, the, there's a, an, another kind of cons- uh, prominent conservative commentator, Dennis Prager was talking about, uh, talking about some of these immunity from liability executive orders or laws that are being passed or that are being, uh, uh, sent out through governor's offices or state legislatures. And he was, he's just like, of course this should happen. Uh, and, and uh, the thing that he said that, that made me so mad, um, he said something in this country, do you not have a right to quit your job? Like, you know, like, of course you can quit your job, but what happens when you quit your job? You, you know, you, you don't qualify for unemployment insurance. You, you don't get those benefits if you quit your job. If you don't feel safe going to work, if you're that 75-year-old woman working at a restaurant trying to make ends meet because you only have Social Security to rely on, 
you you don't you don't have other choices. It's co it's it's coercive. It's coercive, and they don't they don't recognize the coercive nature of employment and the fact that you have to work. You have to work to live, and so if your employer does not care to make it safe for you to work, they should be able to be held liable because you know workers should workers should have the right to a safe workplace. And if the restaurant that they work for or the meatpacking plant that they work for don't care enough about their employees to invest a little bit in some uh, extra sanitation precautions, in making sure they have PPE, in making sure that people on the meatpacking lines have those little glass walls in between them so that they're safe, then yes, they should be held liable. They should absolutely be held liable. Because workers matter. They're people. These are lives. And th these politicians, these uh, commentators like Dennis Prager, they just they don't they don't care. They don't care. They don't care about you. Uh, they care about their donors. Yeah. Yeah. And and if there's one thing that that needs to be pointed out in the great capitalist system that America is, is the fact that we've went a couple of weeks without a paycheck. And everybody is screaming, get back to work. Let's get back to work. And, and, and the greatest country uh, in the world, we're everybody's struggling, including businesses. Right. Nobody's got a dime saved. Uh, you know, nothing. What What's going on out there? What is what is wrong with the system? There There's there's fundamentally something wrong when people can't. You can't make it for two weeks without being at work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the things that I've seen is, you, you know, like if, if this is the uh, if this is the best system in the world, like why can't it why, why can't it take take a, a small hiccup? Um, you know, it's it's just uh, uh, it, it's it's insane that 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 they're trying to make folks, uh, uh, you know, um, make folks go back to work who have these risks and have uh, uh have those comorbidities and you know they just they just don't care they just they fundamentally just they just don't care my name is jacob and uh, glad to be back with you uh so we left off talking about some of those executive orders some of those laws that are snaking their way through state legislatures uh that are giving businesses uh, immunity from uh from workers that that contract the coronavirus uh the next on the agenda is uh I, I wanted to talk about how our um, how our state legislature is wanting to use the funds from the CARES Act. We got $1.8, $1.9 billion from the federal government, and a, a wish list was leaked from the, uh, uh, from the Republican caucus in the state house, and uh, it, it went over what their priorities were. And uh, the second largest item in this list here is to build a new state house and renovate the state capitol. $200 million. That's more than 10% of the funds. They wanted to spend these disaster relief funds to make themselves a Taj Mahal. I mean, it's it's ludicrous. There, you know, there, there are some good things here. 
They want to expand broadband throughout the state like that's important and that's relevant because we've got some uh, we've got a lot of people that are uh, doing remote learning through school and a lot of folks, especially in the more rural parts of the state, they don't have broadband access. They uh, are getting some PPE. Uh, they're investing in forensic sciences and mental health. And, you know, like there's like I'm the whole thing isn't bad, but the fact that they have that they had the audacity. somebody somebody typed this some there was some republican legislator who who typed this up and thought that spending 200 million dollars on a new state house with funds from the federal government that are supposed to uh that are supposed to help alabamians during this crisis they thought that would be a good use of the funds who typed it up jacob who typed it up? Nobody so, wants to step forward and, and right. say, hey, uh, <laughs> yeah. that, this was my idea. Right. You know, now all of a sudden everybody's scattering like yeah. rats on a sinking ship. Uh -huh. I don't know who done that. That was, you know, I, whoever, I, I don't know. I had no clue who put who put that in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there there was a, a, an article in the Alabama Political Reporter, or, or, or maybe it was Alabama Daily News, that um, – you know, there was just Republican legislator after Republican legislator like, oh, I had no idea that this was out there. I had, you know, this is news to me. And I'm like, uh, you're liars. You're liars. You're all you're you're. And, you know, like it, it it's it it's it. It's predictable. But, but but it's predictable. But it, but it's uh, it's still it's amazing. And then this this is a smaller piece of of the thing. But they want to spend ten million dollars on a brand new prison facility, and and this is this is absurd. Um, not because Alabama uh, inmates don't need new prisons. Our uh, the state of Alabama's prisons are notoriously bad they're 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 just horrible uh the there, there have been in the past i have heard on this station republican legislators uh in in the state legislature compare the conditions in our prisons to third world countries and it, you know that's not acceptable but this new prison facility that they want to spend 10 million dollars on it's not state-of-the-art it doesn't have amenities and there's no associated demolition this is just they're just making room for more prisoners. Yeah, that, well, that's what the thing is. And like I said in the opening segment, we have a thirty-five percent higher incarceration rate in Alabama than in the the rest of the United States. And the rest of the United States has a higher incarceration rate than any country in the world. I think like we have more people in prison than Soviet Russia did during their heyday of incarcerating political dissidents. You know, like there's a lot of folks talking about. Uh, we're living in a police state now because of these stay-at-home orders. It's like, wake up, man! Yeah. We've been in a we've police in state. It just didn't affect you. You just yeah. don't. You just didn't care before. We've li been living in a police state for years, for decades, and all this is doing is, is just they just want to, They just want more room to put people in jail. It's 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 insane. Yeah. Well, the federal government. I mean, the federal government for years has 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 been trying to get Alabama. I mean. Uh, the prisons are overwhelmed. They're stacked on top of each other. And it's gotten so bad where the federal government's come in and said, you know, it's a human rights concern. And I get it. We want to keep violent people off the streets. There, no, yes. Neither one of us are sitting here arguing that we should be releasing murderers or rapists out of prisons. But, mm. uh, you know, nonviolent offenders, 
how how is it helping the taxpayers by keeping them in prison? Uh, especially, you know, uh, thieves, people like this, uh, that may owe a debt to society. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, a debt is not paid with your life. Uh, a debt is paid with monetarily, you know, right. if, if they owe a debt to society, get them out of prison and, and let them repay those people that they may have stole from, or that, you know, they may have financially injured. But the fact of the matter is, uh, in, in the U S we'll put people in prison for anything. And, oh, yeah. and the ones that, that don't deserve to, that deserve to go to prison, the ones that's raping, robbing, and pillaging from all of us. Uh, they're never going to see They're legalized. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the old saying goes, uh, steal from a worker. And, you know, it, I, I, don't, I can't remember right off the top of my head how that saying goes. <laughs> <laughs> I, bet, I bet it was good. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I bet I, it was good. I'm but here but, on the first day. But yeah, it, 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 it's crazy. It's insane that, that, we, you know, the land of the free literally keeps more people unfree than any other country in, in the history. It, it, it just it just doesn't make sense to expand our capacity to cage people. It doesn't make sense. We haven't attempted any kind of uh, restorative justice in the state. We haven't attempted any kind of anything to to broadly decrease our prison population. None of it. This just it. It doesn't make sense. Um, I, I didn't mention this in the opening, but I did want to talk about it really quick. We've only got a little bit before we go to break. But a state budget has been passed by the legislature. It's going to Governor Ivey's desk, and it scraps the planned pay raise for state employees due to the expected budget shortfalls from the COVID-19 recession. And this is like we've been talking about this whole show and like is going to be a theme for our show. This is another way that business elites and politicians are putting workers on the chopping block block before they think about doing anything else. The first thing to go during a, a, an expected budget shortfall is raises for workers. The first thing to go. There was no mention of raising taxes on the rich in this state, in the state where we have one of the most regressive tax systems in the country. No mention of it. The first thing when we're looking at a budget shortfall is we're going to take away the small raises that are planned for state employees. We're going to take away the small raises that were planned for teachers. It's gone. It's gone. And I don't want to hear anything about taxing my donors more. Like I said, it's another example of politicians in Montgomery putting their donors, putting the people that they go to cocktail parties with before workers and before regular everyday Alabamians. It's not right and that, you know. My name is Jacob. Today, we are really excited to have Brother Michael Clem on the line with us. He is the President and Directing General Chair of District 141 of the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers. Brother Mike was initiated into the Machinist Union in 1992 when he began working on the United Airlines ramp at JFK. Today, he oversees and administers more than a dozen contracts, including the historic 2016 contracts at United Airlines and the 2020 industry-leading association agreement with American Airlines. The work that he does on behalf of of airline employees has helped add more than a billion dollars in wages, imposed important job security protections, and defended the safety, health care, 
and pensions of tens of thousands of machinist members around the nation. So we wanted to bring him on the show today to talk about what uh, to talk about what unions can do for workers, right? Because a lot of folks, especially in right to work states where union membership is low, they don't they they don't have the 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 understanding it's not in the culture that workers can come together and fight for each other and win against the boss and win against corporate executives that rake in profits off of our labor they don't have that it's just not in the air they just don't think about it when whenever folks have whenever they have a bad job uh if they have have a boss that's not paying them enough or they have a boss that's bad to them that's harassing them that isn't creating safe working conditions they just think that's how it is they just think that's how it is that that that's uh that there's nothing that they can do and the most that they could do is um is go to another job and they just don't think about organizing they just don't think about organizing they don't think a union can help they don't think that they can help themselves they think that the job is what it is, and if they don't like it, they have to deal with it, or they have to go to another job. They think those are their only options, and it's not their only options. Workers, when they come together, have power. Our labor is what makes the profits for the company. Without our labor, the companies can't do anything. And so we're going to be bringing on a bunch of guests in the next few weeks from unions to talk about how they have been winning for their members, how the members have been winning for themselves. And uh, so uh, we're, we're really excited to welcome Brother Michael Clem to talk to us about, uh, about what he's been doing for machinists, uh, what he's been doing for machinist members around the country. Oh, there we go. Good morning. I, it'd help if I turn my microphone on. We're struggling a little bit this morning. How are you doing? Can you hear us, Mike? All right. Let's see. You, you can you hear us, Mike? Now I can. Yes, sir. Okay. Very good. All right. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, Thank, thank you for bearing with us, Mike. This is our inaugural show on the radio. We are we are trying to piece everything together, but hopefully we've got it going now. How are you doing out? The, I get you're in Chicago, right? Uh, our what? Our office is in Chicago. I happen to live in New York. So we're quarantined here in New York. Okay, in New York, New York. All right. Uh, well, that's kind of the epicenter of everything right now. That's uh, yeah, it. Sure yeah, you're. I, I assume you're staying safe. Everybody's safe. Healthy. Yes, sir. Good deal. All right. Uh, so you're you're with District 141, Machinist Union District 141. I am and eight aerospace workers, of course. Uh, about how many members are are you guys representing up there? So in our we have uh, just over thirty eight thousand, um, and uh, with United Airlines, which I guess we'll get into in a minute, we have about twenty seven thousand. Wow, thirty eight thousand. Yes, sir. That's great. Man, that's unbelievable. And then uh, the airlines, so you said United. Uh, I assume you're you're uh, representing several other airlines other than United. Yeah, we we have about a dozen contracts uh, on five different carriers. Uh, United, American, uh, Philippine Airlines, Spirit Airlines, Hawaiian Airlines, one for us as well. 
And we have some non-carriers that we represent as well, like uh, United Ground Lease uh, Facility, uh, Flagship Facility Services, and uh, Scientific Concepts. Wow. Uh, and and it, when, whenever we were talking yesterday, uh, uh, I think uh, Brother Dave Lehigh sent me some information about you. He said you actually got your start as a ramp worker, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, yes, I did. Uh, grew up as a ramp guy in JFK right here in New York. Uh, and you know, uh, those New York guys, they, they, they hold me accountable, not only way back then, but even to today. So I was getting texts, uh, you better get this unplanned and like that, but uh, I also got a lot of appreciation when we were able to uh, kind of stop United in its tracks. So that was a great feeling, for say the least. Yeah, yeah, and and that's something that I wanted to touch on uh, real quick was the fact that you know down here one of the big uh, yeah, we're in Alabama, of course. One of the big talking points anytime we try to get in and organize a company is all of these uh, all of these union bosses are going to come in and you know speak for you and things like that and. You know, the fact of the matter is the union bosses are us, you know, the workers that's out there on the front lines. Uh, you're democratically elected. You know, there's no there's nobody, uh, no big uh, chief telling everybody what they're going to do. It's, it's a 100 percent democratic union. And, and we really want to get that out to all the workers that we're we're trying to broadcast to is the fact that, you know, whenever you form a union, uh, it's not somebody coming in and telling you what to do. It's, it's your workers collectively uh, electing the the people that they want uh, to to represent their best interests. So that's that's, that's right, Dave. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, uh, good, good. But that's right. Uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to get elected as shop steward uh, up in JFK, which led me to be the committee uh, committee person uh, in JFK as well. Grew to committee chairman, which oversees. LaGuardia and JFK, uh, all by election, uh, had to stand election every three years uh, for shop stewards every year. And then obviously I was lucky enough to become a district officer, which was voted on by the entire membership across the country uh, back in 2008. Yeah, yeah, and that it really speaks to the democratic spirit and it also speaks to uh, uh, the trust that everybody's put in you as far as being a, uh, the leader of, of District 141 in general. Uh, so, and the reason we brought you on is uh, there's been a lot of talk in the past week, two weeks about uh, United Airlines. Uh, they've been in the news a lot. And then, of course, our union with the Machinist Union has uh, been making a little bit of rumbles as well. And I was, I was hoping you could uh, give our listeners some uh, some updates on actually what's happened with your workers out there. Absolutely, Dave. So, uh uh, not yesterday, but the previous Friday on May 1st, uh, United Airlines announced that they were going to furlough 15,000 of our full-time workers, our full-time employees. Wow. And uh, not only was the announcement itself uh, a violation of our contract, um, but uh, they were even, uh, they, they failed to follow the, the, their own uh, rules of our, of our contract, uh, whether it was timelines, whether it was process outlined in the contract correctly, Notification, proper forms, uh, just it went on and on. And uh, for whatever reason, they thought they were, that we weren't going to push back on that, which uh, at the time, I, I'll admit, I had a good working relationship with uh, some of the bosses over there at United, but uh, this situation has significantly impacted that. Uh, I'm hoping we can get back on track in the near future, but not to deviate too much, uh, uh, you know, United also took uh, money from under the CARES Act. 
and uh, furloughing employees was a violation of the CARES Act as well. So here we have a company with billions of dollars asking for a billion more billions of dollars from the taxpayers with the stipulation uh, that they don't furlough anybody. And there they go trying to cut the, not only salaries and benefits, but, uh, and, and before I forget, Dave, I just want to point out as well, a, a month earlier, the United Airlines had come to us, the IAM and the, and the other labor groups. Hey, Mike, we got about 10 seconds before this break. Can you hold and uh, let us, let's pick back up on the other side. Listening to the yes, sir. Sure can. With David Story and Jacob Morrison. The attorneys of Maple Tucker and Jacobs are proud to stand with organized labor and are proud to support the Valley Labor Report. It is what their firm is built on, and they recognize how important unions are to the country. Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs are experienced attorneys who can help with your workplace injuries and disability claims. Whether you are a steel worker, coal miner, railroad worker, or machinist, we help all injured workers. Visit www.mtnj.com to find out more. Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs, attorneys for labor, attorneys for you. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services from other law firms. Public schools are critical to the success of communities and democracy. Now more than ever, our educators and school support staff are going above and beyond to support our students and families. We at the Alabama Education Association are proud to represent the hardworking employees of our public schools and colleges. Thank you for all of your love and dedication to Alabama students. Please take care and stay safe. Ours are the first generations to feel the effects of climate change and the last to be able to do anything about it. The window to meet this historic challenge is closing. We're already losing our lives and livelihoods. Millions have already been impacted by climate change. We can passively accept this fate or we can join together and take back our power. If we so choose, our best days are ahead. We have a legacy of coming together to face crises that threaten the very ideals of our nation, from the horrors of slavery to the depths of the Great Depression, from the spread of fascism during World War II to the rise of Jim Crow, we have overcome before and we have the power to do it again. Let's end the climate crisis by igniting a transformational new era where the government works for the common good. Go to arminarmforclimate.org. That's arm in arm, the number four, climate.org to learn more. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. Yeah, so Michael, when we left off uh, during the break, you were talking about what United had had tried to do and and how it was a violation of of the CARES Act and uh, the CBA. Uh, so if, if you could just uh, pick up where you left off. Yeah, sure. Uh, sorry about got to get used to get those breaks in. So we got we'll work on that together. But uh, but anyway, um, uh, what I was what I really wanted to talk about is uh, despite the violations of uh, of our contract and the um, and the CARES Act, United just a month prior to this announcement. Uh, had come to not only the IM but all the labor groups, essentially begging us to use our legislative power uh, and our ability to influence uh, you know, uh, Congress 
and help them obtain this money. And uh, that's what made it so frustrating for them to turn around and then, uh, as I stated just a minute ago, directly attempt to violate our contract uh, by following 15,000 of our full-time members. So uh, very frustrating to say the least. But as you guys know, we're back and uh, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. So I'll, I'll turn it over back to you guys. Yeah. Uh, and, and and it's unfortunate because you see a lot of times we work, you, 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 there's a lot of talking points that say unions are killing businesses, but the fact of the matter is 99% of the time we're working hand in hand with a lot of the businesses to try to make sure that our members are uh, staying employed, staying paid well with good benefits. And, uh, you know, we've got an extremely powerful legislative team uh, working uh, not only in, in, at, in Capitol Hill in DC, but also, you know, a lot of the state councils working in uh, the various states, making sure that uh, that all of our all of our members are staying employed, and, and it's constant. You know, you see it time and time again where the company comes to us asking us for help, and uh, we're always willing to help, uh, especially you know when it comes to keeping our members employed. But then uh, to turn around and, and slap us in the face like that, it's it, but you know why why is anybody surprised? This is typical uh, <laughs> typical business relations, you know. Very true, uh, David. Very true, sir. Everything for them and nothing for us. So, uh, it, it, so, and that kind of brings up the fact that, uh, you know, when all of this started coming around and it looked like United was going to uh, do everything they could to cut uh, a lot of the members' hours down, even after they had taken the money that we worked so hard to ensure that uh, propped them up. And, and you know, and, and it should it should go without stating that the entire the, the entire reason behind the CARES Act was to keep people employed, uh, you know, and, and, and they're wanting to cut hours in half. Uh, nobody can live on that. And it flies, it flies in the face of uh, the legislative intent in general. But uh, it, the machinist union actually filed an, an injunction in uh, court. And what, what was that all about? So, um, that's correct. So as I announced, uh, well, not announced, as we talked about earlier, uh, the company tr announced this uh, furlough and we, we felt it was a direct violation, uh, again, of the contract and the CARES Act. So um, we, filed, we filed the lawsuit. Uh, we filed it on Tuesday, May 5th. And lo and behold, on Wednesday, May 6th, United announced that they were going to postpone this furlough. And now they tried to say that uh, they... they they heard the voices of uh, the employees, but it's just coincidental it happened to come the day after we filed the lawsuit. So, yeah, yeah. Um, now, <laughs> and it's we, funny we the fact since, that uh, late yesterday, uh, just to be fair with you, David, we we withdrew uh, the the lawsuit uh, without prejudice, which yep. will allow us to file back if uh, needed. Um, so uh, we can't guarantee the company wouldn't try this again because they did announce almost like a pause, like they would just maybe look at it again in a month. But uh, we would still demand that they file the contract and the CARES Act, which if they follow both, well, if they follow the CARES Act, they wouldn't be able to have any furloughs before October 1st. So, uh, but if they follow the contract, we're going to make sure they do it right. And they cannot, under any circumstances, just arbitrarily furlough, furlough 15,000 full-timers to part-time. It's just, I don't know why they thought they could, but I guess they thought the IM wasn't going to 
wasn't going to fight back, but they they must have forgotten our nickname, which is the Fighting Machinist. That's, That's for right. damn sure. That's right, the Fighting Machinist. I love that. Uh, and, and it's also it's worth repeating or worth talking about that uh, American Airlines CEO even come out and said uh, this this wasn't the intent of the CARES Act that he didn't make <laughs> think of me doing that's it. That's right. I, I mean, listen, yeah, we, we finally got, got, got somebody on our side. from a lot of people around the country. Uh, but uh, Doug Parker coming out and saying that was, was certainly put uh, Scott Kirby in check, to say the least. And there's no love lost between those two guys. So I'm sure there was, you know, there was some. Uh, it felt good for for Doug to do that, but Doug was right. Doug was doing the right thing by his employees yeah. and our members because we represent those members over there at American Airlines as well. Exactly. And it was good to see uh, a CEO stand up and do the right thing and say the right things at the right time. Yep, yep, exactly. And and and, and can you speak a little bit about the fact that you know we talked about the Machinist Union, the Legislative Department going in there and uh, and filing this uh, injunction, and and you guys have removed that as soon as. Uh, as soon as United came to their senses, but there, there's also a, a lot of members. I know I was one that was writing my congressman, but not just me. There was there was hundreds of thousands of members across the United States uh, writing their congressmen and uh, legislators trying to trying to bring to bring them to the table to to get United to uh, to making making progress with United and. Uh, can you speak about that at all as far as uh, what all the members are doing out there, uh, the rank and filers? Absolutely, Dave. So let, let's speak, you know, you say hundreds of thousands. There, there was over 11,000 members, IM members, that called their senators or their congressmen and, or women. And that was, of course, a tremendous help to us, whether it was uh, showing uh, the solidarity and doing some informational picketing out and about uh, around the system. Uh, it was just uh, or whether it was even our own members on the shop floor just expressing frustration with to their supervisors on how what an injustice uh, United was attempting to do, all that combined is is what helped us get here. Make no mistake about it. it this was not a one man show or a forty uh, forty person uh, executive board at District Lodge one forty one show. The members made this happen, and not only the members that work at United. With a, at American, at Hawaiian, they all chipped in. Members like yourself, all around the country, whether you're in Alabama or up in Maine, we, we all came together to fight this fight together. And it's something that not only I am very appreciative of, but my entire executive board and all our members here at United are very grateful for. Yep, it speaks to the solidarity of the workers in general. Uh, and so, you know, as they were calling their politicians, did you have anybody that you wanted to... Uh, to give a special recognition to, I know there's, I'm sure there's several up there in New York that's helped out, but I'm sure across the nation as well. Uh, uh, without a doubt, they appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk. I mean, a big thank you to Senator Howley out of Missouri. Uh, I mean, he, he was the first uh, first one to step up and write a letter to Oscar Munoz, which was very impactful. Uh, 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 Congresswoman Jackson Jackson Lee out of Texas, she jumped on board right in the beginning of the fight. Uh, we had Jackie Spears out of California. And, and of course, we had Stephen Cotton, who is the, uh, the General Secretary of the International Transport Workers Federation, who made it clear that if United Airlines intended to get back into international travel, they might want to adhere to our contract and follow the rules that comes with taking billions of dollars under the CARES Act. So Big, big shout out to those. There were more. I, I don't want to more. Yeah, there's always anybody, more. but th those were the first ones that really came and joined our fight right from the beginning. And uh, truly, truly appreciative of each and every one of them. Yep, 
and there's always there, there's so much work that goes on in the background that nobody you know nobody ever sees uh then we we hate to leave anybody out but that's that's a great list uh and you know we're as we're moving forward uh you know we're talking about uh delta airlines and we've been trying to organize them for for a, for a little while and it kind of it kind of speaks to uh, what the machinist union in general is able to do with, with how it affected United and how uh, it kept all of those workers uh, employed at full-time workers. Uh, and we don't have but about a minute and a half left in this segment, but if you could talk a little bit about, you know, the difference between uh, not having a union in place at, at Delta as opposed to something like what, what United has in, with us in the machinist union. And Mike, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you I'm real. Is, I'm going to uh, tell you real quick. We've only got like one minute left. I think we'd like to bring you back for one more segment to talk. Keep talking to us. Is that all right with you? Absolutely. All I can. Right. We can make that absolutely. All right. Do you want me to answer this question? I'll hold off. How do you want to do it? Yeah, go go ahead. And uh, if the bumper music comes on, we'll fade you out, and we'll bring you right back. <laughs> all right, so, that's not a problem. I'll tell I'm you what. Used, I hear it. I hear it. I've been home with my wife and kids. They phase me out all the time. So I'm getting used to it. I hear all it right. coming right now. Let's just hold off, and then we'll 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 bring it right back at the next segment because I can hear the I can hear the bumper music coming on as we're talking. And this is okay, a really important good. point, so we don't want to cut yeah, it short yeah. either. You know, because the, one of the points of the whole show is to talk about what the difference being a union brings you. So we want to give that its full due uh, on the on the next to segment. The Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The attorneys of Maple Tucker and Jacobs are proud to stand with organized labor and are proud to support the Valley Labor Report. It is what their firm is built on, and they recognize how important unions are to the country. Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs are experienced attorneys who can help with your workplace injuries and disability claims. Whether you are a steel worker, coal miner, railroad worker, or machinist, we help all injured workers. Visit www.mtandj.com to find out more. Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs, attorneys for labor, attorneys for you. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services from other law firms. Hometown Action is concerned Alabama's small towns and rural communities increasingly are coming under attack by corporate interests that run local shops out of businesses, shutter our rural hospitals, and pollute our rivers, providing only unstable poverty wage jobs with no health insurance. We know workers and local residents understand the best solution to local problems. Together, we can build the multiracial, working-class power we need to take back our communities. Please join us online at www.hometownaction.org. Thanks for standing with workers, supporting Valley Labor Talk. Public schools are critical to the success of communities and democracy. Now more than ever, our educators and school support staff are going above and beyond to support our students and families. We at the Alabama Education Association are proud to represent the hardworking employees of our public schools and colleges. Thank you for all of your love and dedication to Alabama's students. Please take care and stay safe. 
The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. The attorneys of Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs are proud to stand with organized labor and are proud to support the Valley Labor Report. It is what their firm is built on, and they recognize how important unions are to the country. Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs are experienced attorneys who can help with your workplace injuries and disability claims. Whether you are a steel worker, coal miner, railroad worker, or machinist, we help all injured workers. Visit www.mtandj.com to find out more. Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs, attorneys for labor, attorneys for you. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services from other law firms. All right, we are back. This is the Valley Labor Reports. Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. We've got on the line with us Brother Michael Clem, uh, the President and General Directing Chair for International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, District 141. And when we left off, we wanted to talk to him about what's going on at United, which is a union airline versus a non-union airline like Delta. Because one of the biggest uh, uh, one of the biggest purposes for this show is to educate the audience about what can happen. Uh, uh, what can happen video's gone. What can happen when you come together with your fellow workers in a union and, and how much more protection that you get uh, when you've got a union on the job, when you're organized. So, uh, so brother, uh, go ahead and uh, talk to us about what's happening at Delta versus what ha- what's happening at United, where you have a seat at the table. So, what we hope is that this sort the most, it sounds like, am I echoing now? There we go. Okay. What, I, what I'm hoping for uh, is that this will teach even the most skeptical union, skeptical union member how important it is uh, to be a union member uh, and uh, how important it is to have a voice, union, contract, uh, and to, exp- to have the ability to show solidarity like we've done these last couple of weeks. So, And it, 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 it's a big difference between having a union and not having a union. Uh, over at Delta and JetBlue, they've tried to implement these same cuts that they're doing at United. They don't have anybody to go to. They have nobody to turn to. They have nobody to speak up for them. They have nobody to, to fight for them. And uh, I'm hoping that they learn from this because uh, uh, don't get me wrong, we're going to try to help them uh, from where we are. But it's a big difference trying to help them from the outside to be able to sit at the table with them and uh, be able to fight the company, uh, you know, standing hip to hip. You know what I mean? Definitely, definitely, and and you know that that's a like that's a, one of the biggest uh, pluses for having a union, even beyond the obvious thing like increased pay, better working conditions, better benefits. Is like you have a seat at the table when things happen. When when the company wants to make major decisions, they've got to bring representatives of workers in there to talk to, to consult with, and, and they have their voices heard. When you don't have a union, you've got no mechanism to make your voice heard, uh, especially when you have these big, um, uh, m- you know, multi-billion dollar corporations. Uh, me, as a ramp worker at JFK, if I didn't have a union, there's no way that they would hear what I think. 
That's exactly right. And uh, we'll hope, we'll hope, you know, we've got some organizing drive going on over there. You know, obviously with the, uh, the COVID-19 situation, it's kind of cooled off a little bit, but hopefully now this will open some eyes over there at both Delta and JetBlue and, and, and how important it is to, to sign a card and, and, and uh, be part of a union. Could you imagine we had those two big barriers as part of what we already have? We'd be almost unstoppable, to be quite frank. Hey, Mike, this is David. Uh, and we didn't talk about this before, but, uh, and you, and if you don't know it off the top of your head, that's great. But, you know, it may be a good idea right here. Is, is there a place where a website where those Delta workers can go and, uh, fill out an A card or maybe print one out, an authorization card for anybody that don't know, uh, and fill one of those out? Do you know that off the top of your head? Uh, it's, uh, you and I don't mean to say- go to the international website, which you guys probably know just as well as I do. It's yep. either goiam or iam. Goiam.org. Go right? Yep. Goiam.org. Right. And, and they then- can go there. And if they uh, search that, it should be easy enough to get on there and get an authorization card and sign it and sign it over there. Yeah. And, I, and I'll tell you what, I'll make it easy for them. If, uh, if if they're listening to the show and they want they want to organize, uh, they can they can reach out to us. Either one of us, me or Jacob, uh, contact the show through Facebook, uh, and we will make sure that we get an A card put in their hands. So let's just make it easy for them. Just reach out to us. Well, that's greatly appreciated, uh, and I hope I hope a, I hope a lot of them pick you up on that. That's for sure. Absolutely, we would love we would love to be a part of that. Uh, so. With with, uh, with the coronavirus affecting shops, not just across the nation, but across the world, I'm certain that your district and locals have been instrumental in keeping our workers safe as far, in informing the, as, far as informing them about proper PPE and uh, safety procedures. So could you expand a bit on how important workplace safety is and how uh, your union is providing members with a voice relating to their safety in their workplace? Absolutely. So we we got a fantastic uh, safety team. Uh, it, it's it's collectively a bunch of people from each of one of the carriers, and obviously we we, we talk uh, daily, weekly if not daily. And uh, some of the things that they would help uh, give me an an opportunity to go to the company, explain to them uh, to properly uh, socially distance. You know, because when you're in a ready room, there's not many flights. There's a lot of people on top of each other, and uh, the safety guys came to me with an idea of, uh, of dividing the workforce and making it a safer work environment to socially distance. Because unfortunately, not until we lost uh, a handful of members uh, that worked for the IM and worked for these carriers did, did the carriers start listening to us and how how crucial it is to go about this safely and uh, and and, and uh, uh, well, <laughs> just to go about it safely and just make sure that people go home the same way they came to work and not contracting any kind of virus that could be harmful, not only to their health, but maybe even to their livelihood. So, right. Um, so thanks to the safety team for that. So moving forward, we're obviously going to have a really hard fight on our hands. How can other unions across the nation, uh, like, like myself, I'm in AFGE or how can folks who aren't in a union, how can the average traveler, uh, help out? Uh, in in the fight moving forward. Uh, so listen, we, we've won we've won the battle here, but the fight by any means is not over. So uh, if people in other union groups or in our own union can join in anytime we're doing any type of informational picketing, anytime we're doing any type of hand billing, uh, 
that, or simply by sitting on the couch and call, calling their, their senator or their congresswoman or their congressman. Uh, the, just a little thing like that could help us get gain support against corporations that just want to try to, you know, take advantage of their workforce. And, and as far as the average traveler, uh, listen, we, we've been talking about, I think David mentioned it before, we, we might be union, but we need we need our companies to survive, right? We, we need the foreign public to come back or there's going to be furloughs. There's going to be drastic cutbacks in manpower, and that's not good for anybody. We, we need our carriers to survive or, or our members will be out of work. And nobody, I don't want that. Nobody wants that. So, um, but carriers have done some good things. Uh, you know, they are, uh, they're cleaning planes uh, at, at a, in between every flight now with disinfectant to make sure that the flying public doesn't contract any type of germs. Uh, they're, they're implementing new uh, circulatory uh, air systems, which make the air cleaner, almost cleaner uh, in the airplane than it is on the ground. You might even be safer uh, on an airplane than you are at your local grocery store. That's how much they're doing. So uh, I, I can tell you that they are taking the proper steps to, to make the flying public feel safe and, and actually be safe. That, that's awesome. And, and, and what you were talking about, um, you not wanting your carriers to go under, that's such an important point, and, and it really illustrates just how far from reality a lot of the corporate propaganda is about unions. Like the UAW had one of the largest strikes in, um, in recent history last year, I think it was, and um, so, somebody that I know was like, they're going to strike themselves out of, the, out, of, out of a job or something, and they don't realize that during the financial crisis, UAW uh, vo- like the members there voluntarily accepted pay cuts, benefit cuts, just th- they took cuts across the board to help their company survive. And what they were striking for was not even, they weren't even getting parity with what the pre 2008 contracts yet. So that that's one of the biggest lies that I've ever heard is that unions are trying to make their corporations go out of business. It doesn't make intuitive sense. It doesn't make any. It doesn't make any kind of sense. It, it you know, that, that it just. Uh, but but folks believe it. it. It drives us nuts. If if people would just take a step back at a, at a place like Delta and just look at the money that Delta's spending to keep the union out, there's a reason for that. And the reason is because we're going to give them what they deserve. We're not going to. We're not going to try to drive a company out of business. Then, then we're out of business, right? If all the right. companies are out of business, we're out of business. It just doesn't make any sense. Like you said, I'm kind of stealing some of your words there, but I couldn't agree more. And one, and one of the things to talk about here is, you know, the as far as the Delta uh, goes, is a lot of times they're spending money. Delta is spending money to keep the union out, not because it's going to cost them more. It's because they lose control. And, right. you know, uh, a lot of times they, they talk about money and they talk about, uh, offshore and things like that. But the fact of the matter is what the, what Delta is worried about is actually the vote, the, the workers having a voice and being able to say, you know, I think this is unsafe. I don't really want to do that. Uh, can we talk about it a little bit more instead of just being told what to do? Uh, you know, and, and that's where that's that's really at the end of the day what all not just Delta we're we're kind of harping on Delta and I don't mean to do that that's one of our favorite carriers down here maybe we can get them organized uh, you know with it being in Atlanta uh, they fly just about anywhere in the in the southeast so everybody kind of tends to jump on them but uh, not, so it's not just Delta but they they lose control because with the committees like you were talking about earlier the safety committees being able to come in and sit down at the table with them. 
you know, they don't, they, it's an authoritarian system. They don't want to lose. They do not want democracy on the shop floor and for workers to have a voice and uh, in, in how they uh, go about their daily lives at work. That's absolutely right. Uh, you know, they almost intimidate people. Just if it was, if the union was going to take some of that away from them, why would they care if they, the group was unionized? Right. Exactly. Uh, well, so uh, anything anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, anything else that that we haven't asked you about that that you feel like is really important about this contract, or anything else that that your union and your district is is working on right now that you want our listeners to know about? Well, I, if I could, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. I think uh, the more we can. Uh, Promote uh, from within. I think it's huge. I obviously want to thank my family for their tremendous support during this time, and my executive board has been tremendous during this whole process. Our international, right, led by uh, you know obviously Robert Martinez, our international president, but General Vice President Cito Pantoja and his entire staff, who was was a tremendous help through this whole process. And then of course the members. If they only knew how important they were during this whole process, and them sticking behind their union leadership. That's what made this work. That's what made it happen. Mike Clem is just a spokesman for them. You elected me to be a spokesperson. You guys are the body. And because you guys were frustrated and you guys expressed that frustration, this is what we were able to achieve together. I didn't do it. District Glock 141 didn't do it. The IM didn't do it. We did it as a group. So I'm hoping everybody learned from this. And I'm hoping, even more importantly, some of the non-unionized non workforces learned from this as well. Yeah. And Mike, let me, let me say this. As you go back and talk to all your folks, and if they're listening on the radio or, you know, we're going to try to get this video uh, to Dave so he can get it out to everybody, tell everybody that's out there in the airline industry that we certainly appreciate it as well, because uh, I, I'm, I'm uh, what's considered an essential worker in the defense industry. And, you know, we have people flying out to California uh, consistently, and we are really appreciative of everything that they're doing to keep us safe out there as well, brother. Uh, th I will do. Thank you guys so much. And keep up the good work. Best of luck to you guys with this. Uh, this, this can't be successful enough for me, I can tell you that. So thank you. You guys have been great. So thanks so much. Thanks, Mark. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The attorneys of Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs are proud to stand with organized labor and are proud to support the Valley Labor Report. It is what their firm is built on, and they recognize how important unions are to the country. Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs are experienced attorneys who can help with your workplace injuries and disability claims. Whether you are a steel worker, coal miner, railroad worker, or machinist, we help all injured workers. Visit www.mtandj.com to find out more. Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs, attorneys for labor, attorneys for you. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services from other law firms. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. 
Hometown Action is pleased to support the launch of the Valley Labor Report because they know that myself and David support their values. They're a power-building collective of small-town, rural, and working-class Alabamians fighting to build inclusive and sustainable communities where all residents can thrive. They invite you to find out more about them online by visiting their website, www.hometownaction.org, and on social media. Please join them in advocating for a stronger labor movement in Alabama. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE Local 1858, believes all workers are entitled to fairness, dignity, and respect. AFGE also knows that the best way to guarantee proper treatment is for workers to stand together, united, looking out for each other. In AFGE, we fight for workers every day to ensure a workplace that is safe and free from harassment. If you're a federal employee and want to be a part of this union to protect yourself and your fellow workers, call 256-876-4880. The attorneys of Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs are proud to stand with organized labor and are proud to support the Valley Labor Report. It is what their firm is built on, and they recognize how important unions are to the country. Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs are experienced attorneys who can help with your workplace injuries and disability claims. Whether you are a steel worker, coal miner, railroad worker, or machinist, we help all injured workers. Visit www.mtandj.com to find out more. Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs, attorneys for labor, attorneys for you. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services from other law firms. Good morning. This is the Valley Labor Report with your co-host Jacob Morrison. Coming in for this final segment here, uh, we just finished an interview with Brother Michael Clem, the President and General Directing Chair of International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, District 141. If you missed the interview, you're just turning in. Uh, you can find it on our YouTube channel, uh, the Valley Labor Report on YouTube. Uh, you can go to Facebook, facebook.com slash Valley Labor Report forward slash. And um, you, can, you can find it there, uh, or you can find it on WVNN's Twitter account here in a little bit. We're going to be releasing the audio. So uh, if you missed it, there's going to be a way to, to listen to it. Uh, so for this, this last segment, you know, uh, we talked a little bit about state news earlier did the interview with Michael Clem. So we just wanted to wrap up here with some stuff going on nationally. And I mentioned this in the opening, um, but the folks who murdered Ahmad Arbery uh, were just arrested last week, and they went months without being arrested. And they were not arrested because there was video of the murder. They were arrested because we saw the video of the murder. This is exactly the critique that, uh, that, that, that movements like Black Lives Matter have been having for, uh, uh, for years, for decades, for black activist groups for decades have been having this critique. That, that, uh, and that's the reason that, that they came up with the phrase Black Lives Matter. It is a normative statement about how we should act because right now, it's obvious that for a lot of folks in this system, black lives don't matter. And now I'm not talking to you, the listener, when I say that, because 
I have I haven't seen anybody say that the arrest of of the murderers was wrong. I haven't seen anybody defending the murderers, and that's and that's good. Um, but there is a Facebook group for justice for the McMichaels or, or whatever that's got almost 10,000 members. And like I said, it took months. These people murdered a man who was jogging down the road, and it took months for them to be arrested. This is not a system that, that, values, um, that values our brothers and sisters. Uh, and, and we've got to make sure that it does. And, and so, you know, it, it, it's very important to recognize that um, moving forward. So I, I just wanted to take, take another moment to, to talk about that. The next thing that I wanted to talk about, this, this is a national story, but, but it's also extremely relevant to uh, the Tennessee Valley. Because the management at, at TVA is looking to outsource 20% of its IT workforce, 20%, a couple hundred jobs they're trying to outsource. And uh, this, is, this, is, this is devastating. The TVA has a mission to, uh, 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 to improve technology in the Valley, and, and it's always historically been, uh, uh, been in, the people employed there have been Southerners. And it's been one of one of the best places to work, uh, and it, it it provides a good service for a good price. And the TVA is looking to outsource this. Now there have there has been a bipartisan um, critique of the t this decision. Doug Jones and Mo Brooks, our representative here in the fifth congressional district, have both been vocally opposed to the plan to outsource, but the Trump administration, despite its anti-outsourcing, anti-globalization rhetoric, has been radio silent. They have not mentioned it. Despite Mo Brooks, who is one of uh, Donald Trump's biggest defenders, the Trump administration has been radio silent. And, you know, the, um, the union president at TVA has been... Um, They've been kind of reticent to criticize the Trump administration for uh, for not speaking out, but um, but it's just true that the Trump administration isn't speaking out, and they're not doing their job in protecting these these Tennessee Valley these su Southern workers. Um, and and the board of governors or or whatever the the management for the TVA, the Trump administration appointees were all bank executives. Stock exchange, stock exchange folks. These were not workers. These were corporate bosses who have corporate bottom lines at the forefront of their mind. They don't care about workers. They don't care about us. They don't care about the customers. They care about corporate bottom lines. They want to fill their pockets with our money, and the Trump administration isn't doing anything to stop it. The war on the postal surface is continuing with David Williams resigning from the Board of Governors. And this is really, this is really, really bad because David Williams has been with the Postal Service for a really long time. And the reports that I've read is that he is resigning in protest because um, He's resigning in protest because he uh, uh, 
he is protesting. It, it appears to signal that the Treasury is going to be using the leverage gained through purse strings that they're loaning to the Postal Service. They, they, they get, they've authorized a $10 billion loan to the Postal Service, and it looks like the Treasury is going to be using that leverage gained through that loan that they have the authority to give the Postal Service to make drastic changes to the agency, not just limited to packaging rates. It includes forcing concessions on the Postal Union's pay and benefits, interfering in hiring decisions, including the next Postmaster General, and on the terms of large contracts. The, the USPS would have to formally request the loan money, but they haven't yet. Uh, uh, but, but William's resignation suggested that that's what's about to happen. And this is another, this is another example of politicians of the Trump administration not doing anything to fight for workers. The Postal Service is one of the most well-functioning public institutions in America. It provides a good service for a cheap price and provides good-paying union jobs to workers all across the country, and they can't rely on the Trump administration to back them against corporate malfeasance, against corporate takeovers. What they're trying to do is privatize the Postal Service, take away these good-paying union jobs, force us to pay more for postage, and they're not doing anything to stop it. So that's what I'm going to leave you off with. I had a few other stories, but we're not going to be able to get to them today. Um, so, you know, defend the Postal Service. Write to your congressperson uh, that that th this attack is is not, that, that, that you don't support it. But thanks for listening, folks. If you want to keep up with us throughout the week, follow us online. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Valley Labor Report slash you can search us on YouTube at...